This week's podcast is brought to you by Avast, a global leader in digital security and family safety solutions for network operators and their customers. We live in a truly digital world. Today's consumers don't care whether they're connected on their home Wi-Fi, at the mall, or on the beach. They expect their providers to protect their online lives at all times. Avast has over 15 years of experience delivering award-winning security solutions to network operators around the world. With over 435 million users globally, their advanced AI security leverages threat data from the world's largest consumer threat detection network. AI-based security is deployed at the device, router, and 5G edge network to provide a comprehensive and fully converged solution for all devices. Consumers enjoy peace of mind wherever they go and however they connect. Work with Avast to enable a simple, single solution to the complex, connected world of tomorrow. Learn more at avast.com partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot partners. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and I am joined on this podcast by my colleague and fellow editor, Kelsey Zeiser. Helmut Reisinger is joining us. He is the CEO of Orange Business Services. He's been a podcast guest before. And by the way, OBS is the IT and integration side of Orange, the massive carrier. Um, Aliette Lampre is his colleague, and she will also be joining us. She is a senior vice president of customer services and operations, and she also worked in the network side of Orange Business Services before that. So on this show, all of us are going to be talking about how Orange Business Services and their customers have adapted to things changing and being upended by COVID-19. What does business continuity look like? What lessons did they bring back from the Asia-Pac region once COVID-19 sort of um, took hold there? And we'll also talk about um, what... uh, what executives are expecting to see once things go back to normal. Will there ever be a normal after this? To find out, keep listening. We'll be right back after this break. The first question I have is, um, uh, for uh, Helmut Reisinger and uh, Aliette uh, Lampre is what steps have you taken to make sure that uh, Orange Business Services can continue to provide service uh, during this pandemic? This is Helmut speaking. So on the Orange Business Services side, and you know, we are a network native digital services company operating in more than 100 countries. The first care that we need to make sure that we take care of is, of course, for our staff. We have 27,000 teams across the world, and we could get well-prepared because we had seen already mid-January where our teams in China has gone into home and teleworking that this could be spreading more quickly than we thought. And this is why we had to adapt already. And nowadays, within a short period of time, we had more than 95% of our staff across the world working today from home. We have people who are in our so-called secure service cockpits that are on site or people that are for good contractual reasons for very specific solution sets for um, critical infrastructure companies, for example, who are still 
on site, but this is a small minority. And this can be in India, it can be in France, it could be even in uh, other countries of the world. So the first thing was, of course, health and sa safety of our staff. And this can only be done with a very transparent and very frequent communication to your teams via the uh, global theaters that we are operating in. Second topic is, of course, with our customers, because we saw that depending on the global operation of each customer, there have been different alertedness to this situation. And like a lot of companies have also rethought their supply chains, how they can secure and prepare themselves in their supply chains, people were already preparing and anticipating as well for their own stuff and their own needs. So we saw, for example, a seven times multiplication of the teleworking capabilities that we are providing today for our global clients. And that's the same, by the way, uh, whether we talk about Asia Pacific or whether we talk about Latin America. I think there we see that this digital has become a kind of a global universal approach that also the capability of working and still sharing the knowledge during such a pandemic situation is very vital for the enterprises. And we had also two customer advisory board that digital fashion, by the way, that have given us the feedback as well. Number one, digital will be more accelerated. Number two, the visibility of the IT and what the CEOs have been driving towards the present have actually been increasing very fast. And third, when we talk later on, maybe on the post-COVID situation, this will really change a bit our habits. But Aliette, who is our global director for service and operations with global teams, uh, can actually give you a few more insights, maybe Aliette, if you want to share a few of them. Yes, so indeed, as Helmut said, we had we anticipated, I would say, the situation for various reasons. The fact is that we saw from, from our teams in APAC and more particularly in China what, what was going on. What happened is that we were able to anticipate as from uh, January uh, the fact of putting all our, our staff home working. So, and when, when I'm saying home working, it means that today we have uh, almost 100% of our 27K employees worldwide working from home. We only have something like 500 um, field engineers going to customer premises or going to sites. Uh, and, and the rest is working from home. And we've managed to do this while keeping more than 90% of our operational uh, capabilities. So it required quite a lot of upgrades of our own infrastructure to support all of this, uh, uh, I would say, internal traffic, and also to make sure that we've, we've e practically equipped all uh, the staff so that they, they, can, they can work from home. Just to give an illustration, for instance, we have 24 by 7 um, uh, people in our uh, run uh, activities and in our own call centers that had never worked from home before. And we had to equip them and to make sure that we put in place the right uh, process so, so, that, so that it works uh, properly. And um, we organized this phase by phase, I would say. And uh, the general rule we applied was really to try to empower the teams and to make sure that the decisions were taken uh, at the right level of the company to, to, to make it um, so you talked about, uh, you know, making decisions at the, the right level of the company. Were there any other lessons you learned from your operations in um, Asia Pacific initially at the outset of the pandemic that uh, you could then apply to other regions that you're operating in? This this pandemic has, has a, a special connotation, I would say, as a characteristic, which is 
it touches ourselves and everybody can be concerned by this. Whilst, for example, when our business, our historic business continuity plans, and you see this is also dynamic, uh, we're more oriented towards what happens if uh, there is a submarine cable cut and one of our major service centers is isolated. What happens if there is a change of government and for whichever reason there's a curfew and our people cannot access uh, our uh, given major service center, for example, in Egypt? Or what happens if there's a hurricane Katrina and how do we handle this? Here, it was always more an anonymous kind of event, which means a context. It means uh, maybe a technical issue. Here, there is something invisible that suddenly touches us as human beings. So we need also there to really make sure that we take care of our employees and make sure that we help them to go through that situation. What did we learn from Asia Pacific? Uh, and I spoke personally with our head of China and our head of Asia Pacific very early on. One of the key things I believe is frequent and always transparent communications as much as possible. You need to make sure that uh, there is this empathy still alive, even though we are in this digital workspace environment nowadays. So this is, I believe, very, very important to make sure that we have this sharing and the feeling of belonging still there, whilst we all discover that we are human beings, which means, oops, we really miss those social contacts uh, in terms of handshakes and so on. So that's an early honor. What we also learned is that there is a fantastic degree of solidarity. I would say that's a paradox. On the one hand, we are more socially distant, but on the other hand, in terms of solidarity, we are much more close. And our business, of course, is impacted as so many different businesses as well. Now, as you know, we are network native, which means we have a lot of operator part in our business, but one third is more in the digital services. So our consultants in the digital arena cannot access our custom site. So that's clearly impacted. So what we said is we create our own platform, an internal marketplace. If people have demand maybe for certain skills, and we have an internal program called Digital and Data Acceleration to render digital much faster available internally, we said maybe there are some people now who are free because they cannot access customer sites. And on this marketplace, which we call Let Me Help, and what, uh, we make this available. And what we learned is there's a tremendous degree of solidarity that is really there across the globe. And this is independent of whichever geography the people belong. And this creates a very good spirit of belonging as well as going through this crisis together. Uh, yeah, just maybe about the, the, you know, making sure that what we learned is that such crisis and such crisis management requires to constantly stay in touch in very close uh, touch with our customers, of course, and also with our employees, because uh, there's lot of lots of uncertainty. The situation is moving, evolving very fast, uh, depending on you know the evolution of the of the virus, and also the business situation is evolving fast. So we need lots of flexibility from a business standpoint, and we also need to uh, keep this uh, you know this sense of what's actually happening on the ground and how the teams and the customers are, 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 are feeling, I would say. And we use a lot of you know, tools to survey the teams, to survey the customers, to get those constant feedback and adapt constantly to this feedback and to the situation. And it has been very, very helpful. And maybe if I may add to that, uh, because it just came to my mind, I think what is also rather, uh, rather new is that's a very dynamic situation, which means 
historically, if we had in our business continuity plans, take a hurricane situation, it concerns one geography, it concerns one specific event here. Yes, it's also one phenomenon, which means this pandemic, but the situations need to be responded to differently from India versus Singapore versus China versus France versus Italy versus uh, United States of America. Uh, take Singapore just announced, uh, I think uh, yesterday, that the lockdown will be extended now until end of June. So our teams need to adapt to that, given also the national or the local uh, um, needs and recommendations that are given by the local authorities. Another aspect is, I believe, and this was a nice discovery that we had, if we take our home market, France, is what such a pandemic or this crisis allows us is to focus on the essentials, which means we have in certain parts of the processes found, oops, we actually could do much faster if we did this in a different fashion than we did it in the traditional routines. So given the fact there was this pandemic, we have rethought a certain activation process, which now can be done in a very short time, which in previous times would have taken two or three days. And this is a positive recognition where sometimes given this external shock, you can create a new dynamic because the people and the organization focus on the essentials internally and of course, as well for our customers. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, so to be aware of time, I do, uh, I have a, we'll, we'll end with a couple of questions. Um, first I'll ask about how the network is holding up and then, uh, maybe we can get, get into what the new normal will look like, uh, for your customers and for orange business services after we kind of get by the worst of this pandemic. Um, first of all, on the network side, um, the, the network of course seems to be holding up well, even though so many, uh, processes and, and things have suddenly become digital, you know, business travel are, are now, uh, hour long conference calls and, uh, or multi hour long conference calls and video calls and things like that. So it, it put a different, uh, a different type of pressure on the network. I guess my question is, is, is Orange Business Services capable of uh, continuing to adjust and maintaining this uh, uh, this network capacity uh, going forward? Because I think a lot of these um, processes are going to stay digital and maybe not, uh, you know, go back to the physical world. Uh, uh, do, do you have thoughts on how the network is going to hold up and evolve? I let um, uh, Aliette start on this because she was actually managing before her current job, actually the global backbones. So Aliette, would you start on that? <laughs> yes, sure. So what we've seen through, throughout this crisis is that indeed Orange has been able to respond to the situation very efficiently. Uh, what we saw is that if you look at the internet traffic, for instance, on our networks, it went up to plus 100% in, in some countries, for instance, was the same, was the same for voice services, especially at, at the beginning of, of the lockdowns. Um, but we have very flexible all IP uh, global networks. We were able, for instance, to more than double our uh, transatlantic capacity, and it was done uh, over a weekend. Uh, we were able as well to increase most of the capacity we have on our various platforms, whether we call we, we talk about um, call, uh, conference call uh, platforms or video conference platforms where, where we saw we witnessed, we've witnessed uh, e-capacity increase or demand increase 
by uh, uh, something like uh, was it's uh, it has been plus 250 percent traffic increase for audio conferencing, for instance, or plus 150 percent capacity increase on our video conferencing solutions. But uh, thanks to our uh, yeah flexible all IP architecture and also our uh, architecture in the cloud, we've been able to add the capacity as it, it was needed. I, I would not say it was easy. I mean, it, it has required big mobilization from the teams, as you can imagine, and very tight uh, prioritization. But uh, overall, we've not had any major incident uh, over the past weeks, and we, we've managed to... Um, uh, handle this from, uh, I would say, smoothly for, for our customers. And uh, I do believe what we have clearly seen is that uh, the reliability of a global network operator plays out here. What we have received from customers really a fine thank you messages for so many customers from across the world, from Australia to the United States. It has helped us as well to help them in customer cases where they wanted to go if you think about the ministries of foreign affairs were very busy with bringing home their citizens so there was a lot of helplines that needed to put, put up and contact center needed to be put up in a very short period of time here again we have put in place cloud-based contact center solutions for many of the global ministries of foreign affairs that we are serving or having a chatbot solution that answers quickly uh, questions that are coming in because of these massive increase of questions that were coming. So overall, I do believe that uh, the reliability has shown well in this uh, very difficult time. Yeah? In terms of the post-COVID situation that you were referring to, I believe what we learn out of it is the trend that we have already seen. We are in a hyper-connected world. It will continue. There will be, I do believe, an acceleration towards a new balance between digital and physical. The way of working, and I quote one of our custom advisory board members who is a very global consumer goods company, they have about, because they have a physical production site, of course, they have a, around about two thirds of their people in teleworking. They reckon that the new norm will not be 100%, will permanently come back again but probably it's gonna be 50-50 of the people teleworking. So there will be shifts in terms of the new way of balance between digital and between the physical presence. I do as well believe that uh, people realize preparedness uh, for a good IT infrastructure, it's almost like as critical as a good healthcare system. I think this pandemic shows us that the degree of vulnerability may vary quite substantially between the countries, but both for the public sector or for a given country, a good healthcare system is as vital and as important as for an enterprise, a good IT and digital infrastructure. And what we saw and what we got from our customers as well is that those who have already gone with us into the cloud enablement via software defined networks or via a multi-cloud environment, they had more flexibility and agility at their hands with us to maneuver and to quickly adapt to this new situation that is I repeat, very dynamic because U.S. has a bit of a different situation. It's the main, fin the same phenomenon, but also in the, even in the United States, it depends very much on the different states. What are the rules in place? Same in Europe and same in Asia Pacific. And Alia, do you have any um, additional thoughts on how things will change for your customers uh, moving forward? Uh, we talked a little bit about what the the new normal might look like, and um, how are their priorities changing? 
So I think clearly, as Helmut said, the, the customers will uh, accelerate the digi digital transformation. Uh, this crisis has proven that the virtualized cloud native environment environments and solutions are much more robust and, and flexible to adjust to uh, this type of, of situation. I think our customers will also rethink their supply chain strategy. Uh, what we've seen is that uh, all the players that were highly dependent upon one single supplier or one single uh, country in terms of production uh, have been uh, very much uh, uh, impacted by the situation. And if uh, those, those having a more distributed or shared strategy have been much more protected. So I think lots of players will, will re rethink the strategy in terms of supply chain. And last but not least, I think the ways of working and the culture in many companies will never be the same again. And uh, we will see much more decentralized uh, um, uh, governances, a much more autonomy, uh, homeworking from the staff, much more flexibility in the ways uh, people address uh, their, their resources uh, allocation and the way we manage, uh, we manage our resources. And, uh, and clearly, I think all of this will have a, yeah, a big impact on, on the way we work. And in, in terms of lockdown, I believe there is also one effect, if I may add to Aliette's point, if we just think about ourselves as individuals, uh, I think that this pandemic has also given rise to one phenomenon, which is telemedicine. We, and if I take both my home country, Austria, but also we as Europeans, we are extremely aware and sensitive towards data protection. Medical data, that's a holy grail, if I may call it like this. On the other hand, and if I quote some of our uh, healthcare um, uh, responsibles in the countries, they said what is now possible and also accepted by the public would have taken probably years to implement. Now it has been enabled in weeks, means teleconsulting with your doctor because you could not access, you could physically not go there, but still there was the need. And people, of course, then prioritized does not mean that uh, you give, uh, you enable non-secure accesses, of course, but the acceptance and the behavior, I think, and the cause for change has really been accelerated due to this pandemic as well in the telemedicine and in the e-health uh, arena. That's a great example. I did have a um, call with my own doctor uh, recently, and I was surprised at how well it went. And, you know, I got the... Um, the results I was looking for and a prescription that helped and it was really quick. So I, th I think that's a really interesting point that, um, you know, people are uh, accepting of that now and it'll be interesting if um, that sticks around. Indeed. Um, I uh, really thank you both for uh, being uh, on the on the podcast today, uh, Helmut Reisinger and Aliette uh, Lampre. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. We do appreciate it. I want to thank Avast for sponsoring this week's podcast. SmartLife, a fully converged solution for digital security, is deployed at the device, router, and 5G edge network perimeter, enabling their award-winning security solutions to protect your customers' entire digital lives. Together, Avast and partners can build products and services people can trust and will keep coming back to. Let Avast help you build a safer digital world for your customers. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners.
That is it. That's our show. Thanks so much to the Orange Business Services team uh, for uh, participating in this podcast. Uh, Aliat Lompre, who connected uh, uh, from Paris. Helmut Reisinger, who was connecting from Austria. Uh, I really appreciate their time and insights. Uh, thanks so much to our producer, Tian Fu, because uh, if it weren't for him, you wouldn't hear any of this. Uh, thanks to you, dear listener, for making us feel welcome in your home office on your recumbent bike, your uh, bunk bed pillow fort, or wherever the hell you happen to be connecting this week. And please do tell a friend to subscribe. And thanks so much for listening to The Late Reading Podcast.